Hello and welcome back to the Jake DeLome Appreciation Podcast. I am your host. Wait, no. No, that's right. That sounds right. No, I don't, I don't think it is. Where are you, DeLome? Why can't I find you? You're the only person I probably ever asked that question. I <laughs> uh, pray to Jake DeLome every night before I go to bed. Uh, he's <laughs> Every once in a while, he'll answer a prayer to let me know that he's there. You know, it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> but in all serious, seriousness this is the retro active sports podcast i am one of your hosts andrew lens and always joining me is a johnny townsend whether andrew likes it or not i'm here i'm that mole on that part of your body that just makes you uncomfortable that it's there that's me in a nutshell i'm very happy with our topic today Andrew, I learned a lot about the Immaculate Reception, and it is the reason for the season, right? I mean, we're going right into it. If it wasn't for, uh, you know, Mary uh, somehow giving birth uh, and not dropping the baby onto the ground, not letting that baby touch the ground. But there's no video evidence of that. Yeah. This is. <laughs> I think she might have even been, been clipped, you know, from behind. Uh, that's one of the things I'm thinking happened when she was giving birth. She got clipped. and. <laughs> Did she trap the baby Jesus when it came out? <laughs> it's so bad. I'm going to hell. Uh, that's the one thing about uh, about Jesus. I think he could take some jokes. <laughs> He's got a pretty tough skin. But yeah, it is. That's one of the reasons why I was like, hey, we need to do this. And Johnny is uh, his other podcast, History Creeps. He like conspiracies and everything else. And this is probably the biggest. It is voted the number one play out of 100 years of over 100 years now of NFL history, but also probably one of the biggest or the biggest conspiracy ever. Yeah. I didn't realize like I, I had seen this play before, but I didn't realize like how much, I mean, it was compared to the Subruder film and it's, (laughs) I would say it's football's version of that because there's like a million theories on this thing. And if I like, I'm just watching it as this, um, football i mean i like football but it's not but i'm a basketball guy so i just watch it I'm like oh, okay well yeah the steelers won and that's all i get out of it but man there's so many takes on this thing so many uh there's uh, i for i didn't realize all the big names that are involved with this i mean you even got madden on the sidelines on this one uh yeah. so this is a this was really fun to learn about honestly yeah you didn't even want to talk about it when you watch you know one of the documentaries i sent you <laughs> he's so upset <laughs> And it's the first time where I've ever watched a documentary and they're like, this person has declined to be a part of it where I'm like, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Open up that wound. Cause most times I'm like, what are they hiding? But yeah. That in, I well, yeah. It or yeah. We do, do we really want to go there again? Yeah. So I guess just for the layman, let's kind of break down what the actual play is and then we'll, then I, we'll really discuss this thing. Yeah. I want to go like all the way back. Cause this is probably, before this, the Steelers themselves have been a horrible team. Right. Before this. Uh, I think they've had one playoff appearance and they started playing in the 30s. Yeah, we're going to say the 30s because around World War II, they combined with the Eagles to make one team. Because Make the Steagles. The Steagles, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's exactly what they were called. But they're so bad. And now they're finally in the playoffs and they're got a chance to do something. And they're playing the Raiders, who is owned by Al Davis. 
I think that's the biggest thing. And probably the biggest rivalry in NFL history is Al Davis versus Pete Rozelle to the point where they've actually done a documentary on that because these guys, I don't know if they hated each other, but just love to kind of get one up on each other. It was, yeah. it's, it's almost a stone cold Vince McMahon thing. Yeah. Is this close to like a, a it, Larry Bird magic thing almost? No. No, I was more Stone Cold McMahon. I was Stone Cold McMahon. And to put it to put it in like a big pop culture wrestling term, like Pete Rozelle is the commissioner of the NFL. He's the gotcha. Yeah. Al Davis is this cool New York guy who used to be the a- AFL commissioner. And now he's just the owner of the Raiders. So he's like, I got an idea how football works. And Pete Rozelle's like, wait a minute. I'm the commissioner. I'll tell you how things work. Yeah. And so L. Davis is very anti-establishment. That's why the Raiders have always been the bad boys. You know, one of his lines is just win, baby, commitment to excellence. Yeah. Uh, What was it? A lot of Raiders back then were told the first thing about being a Raider is to cheat. (laughs) If that doesn't work, go to rule number two and try and cheat some more. Yeah. So that's kind of like the battle and just to lay down this whole layer, another layer of what's going on. Yeah, I think it's important to note that uh, why this city Pittsburgh really builds this thing up to where it's at is just where they are historically as I mean sports are obviously very important to a to a city that they're a part of and uh, you know <laughs> I can tell you this as a Charlotte Hornet fan uh, going through these terrible times is not fun so if you get any glimmer of hope it's going to stand out yeah it I mean it was it was bad to good friend of mine I believe you met him too Boyd is a huge Steelers fan and I always kind of like made fun of him in a way when you look at Steelers history before 1969 when Chuck Noll was hired. Yeah. So there's this formation called the single wing that this was like the standard offensive formation and it went obsolete probably in about the 40s. The Steelers were still using that as their primary offensive formation back or all the way to into the 50 when everybody switched around their offense that's yeah. how bad they were just obsolete for me so that, that would be like a basketball team still using the four corners right now yes using the four <laughs> corners or, <laughs> or the pin, what's the other one the princeton there's like a very famous princeton offense or it's dri- from like the 30s or something <laughs> or dribbling out the clock with the 24 yeah. second shot clock but that is that is like how bad they were Great owners, great owners in the Rooney family. Yeah. <clears throat> this meant a lot. This was a team going into the upswing, and here they are at this game. And it also kind of feeds into one of, I know we're going to talk about the different theories. It just, oh, yeah. They started in 1933. So from 1933 up into this game, I believe they had one playoff appearance. It's a, a, abysmal. Like, it's a, if you're a fan of this team, you're really uh, been through the ringer. Oh, yeah. The other funny thing is one of the coaches ran the same play. The first play of every single game was the same play to the point where people would just make a nursery rhyme out of it because the guy was Rodell and they would just go, hey, diddle, diddle, Rodell up the middle. There it was. (laughs) Rodell go right up the middle. Nothing ever switched. But on this wonderful day, December 23rd, 1972, the Steelers have a chance to make some noise. And the Raiders are good. They went to Super Bowl two a couple of years before. And this game is pretty much just not that much fun. Uh, two field goals by Roy Jarella, the kicker for the Steelers. And then this is the one big thing that a lot of people leave, leave out. And I actually watched this. Ken Stabler does a 30-yard run and he scores. 
So it's seven to six. I believe there's something like 22 seconds left on the clock. Terry Bradshaw goes back to pass. Can't find anybody. He's getting pressured. He sees John Frenchie Francois. He throws him the ball. All of a sudden, the ball, ball we're going we're gonna to go, I'm going to use air quote. Well, we'll just say the ball bounces immaculately into the air. And here comes Franco Harris, snatches the ball up from the ground, runs to the end zone, and scores the touchdown. And from there, it becomes a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, it, well, let's just say, too, this is like something you feel like you would see in a movie, right? Yes. A sports movie where this team really needs this play to happen, but it looks like all hope is lost. And all of a sudden, by some sheer miracle, you know, they win the game. So this is, I think this is on par. This is made for movies, this thing. And once he scores the touchdown, it is 15 minutes of deliberation by the referees. And this is before instantly replay was allowed. Yeah. And Matt interludes that the head of, well, what's his name? Head of officiating, uh, Fred Swearingen, he goes over to the Pittsburgh Pirates dugout because they're playing at the old Three River Stadium where also the, they shared it with the Pirates, which I think is a classic two teams sharing <laughs> from oh, yeah. Richards sharing a stadium. And he talks to somebody. Now, I watched some of the, I found some of the actual broadcast. The announcer says he's talking to the head of officiating, but they're not really supposed to do that. But nobody knows who he called. And they're still deliberating <laughs> on everything else. Uh, Raiders player says he, he swore he heard one of the guys say how much security is there. And yeah. then finally, they call a touchdown. And somebody made a good point, too, is I don't know if anybody actually singled, like like a referee singled for a touchdown, even after all that. They were just like, ah, touch it out. Yeah. And then Steelers kick off to the Raiders. Raiders touch back. This is the boring part. And that pretty much the go for a pass incomplete. And that ends the game. But yeah, the- it's it's I think that's the other thing, too, is people think is this ended the game, but there actually was still a little bit of game left. And the other thing that I found pretty wild that I don't I don't think it could happen today. Uh, I mean, it still happens in college somewhere like the, the crowd rushes the field, you know, and like that insurance salesman steals the football basically and he has it behind a giant vault uh that type of deal uh, which i get because that's a part of nfl history and i guarantee you it's worth more than 80 grand like that one oh, yeah. that, they, that seems so low to me and i'm usually very uh suspicious of when people put value on the stuff that they have you know because you're always going to knock that volume the value up to make you you know uh, but I think in this case, this guy was right. This thing's worth way more than 80 grand. Uh, but anyway, you know, you don't really even see that very much now. Uh, I know in um, in like pro basketball, for sure, they make sure that nobody rushes the crowd. I mean, the crowd doesn't rush in because it's honestly it's dangerous for everyone who's who's on the court and, or is on the field. And I do think it's important to know, even though in the documentary that I, I watched, the ref said, no, that wasn't a, where we were at and everything wasn't a part of it and stuff. And maybe to a certain point he's right, but also at the same time, it's certainly a, 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 a got to be in your head if you're a ref there because, uh, I mean, everything is riding on this call for this game and honestly for that town, for that city. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're going to be either be a hero or a villain in just one call. And, man, uh, I guarantee you if that guy ever shows up uh, anytime he showed up back in Pittsburgh, he didn't have to buy a meal, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, because that's the other thing is, did Frenchie Francois touch it? Because at that point, he threw a pass and it bounced off of a, your offensive player and another p- offensive player caught it. 
you were not allowed to advance it. It was blown as an incomplete pass. Obviously, that has all changed today where we would we get more amazing plays like this and we don't have to ask the question, did it hit off of them? Yeah. And there's so many theories and layers and that's kind of the first theory is did Frenchie touch the ball? And that is the question. He's th- a lot of people said it in press conferences after the game. He said, oh, yeah, the ball went off my chest. And they're like, dude, shut up. Even though the game's already over there. Yeah. Like, dude, shut up. And to this day, he still will not say whether he touched the ball or not. Uh, Jack Tatum no longer with us. Just like, you know, today we got sad news about Franco passing. And he oh, was really talked about yet, by the way. Yeah, we have not. <laughs> and uh, so Jack Tatum can't say anything. And that was the cool theory is I believe it's in the documentary that I, that we both watched uh, the physicists like yes, literally throwing the ball up against the wall to see which it, if it could have that. And from my viewing of this theory, I don't think Frenchie touched it. I think it was off a Tatum mm-hmm. shoulder pad and it went to Franco. I think either way as you look at it, right. And this is, why people will always argue about instant replay in all sports is kind of part of it kind of takes away from things in a way, um, you know, but at the same time, these people are arguing for, it depends on if it goes for you or against you, I think yeah. <laughs> how you feel about instant replay. But yeah, it's, I watched the play from obviously many different angles. Another one of the conspiracies is the actual game footage went quote unquote missing I love for that. a while, which is fantastic. I freaking love it too. Uh, so so really, for the longest time, you only really had the NFL Films version to to watch, and uh, so that you could really have all the angles there. I mean, they even that documentary watched interview like one of the camera guys, like he's a he's an up high camera guy, kind of getting a whole. He had a different angle on the thing from that's the way I took it anyway. And he was like, "Yeah, they came and got the game footage. They got one. They wanted the original game footage from me, and then I never seen it again." <laughs> that, that I believe that would made me think something's up especially yeah. on the Steelers side, because there's also another conspiracy about the Steelers. They're uh, one of the players they drafted, I believe in 74, John Stallworth. Yeah. He was from uh, like an HBCU and they had film on him. And the way that it happened back then with scouting is, you know, you could go and send somebody or you would just pass around the film. So they're one of their scouts or, you know, or their prayer personnel, Bill Nunn was like, yeah, I don't know what happened to that. We don't have to share this. We're just going to keep this here. So that way we can make sure we get John Stallworth at a lower pick. And then we could get this guy who's more nationally recognized at a higher pick. And Lynn Swan. I love sports. So he was just like, <laughs> what do you know? We don't, if they're not going to ask for it, then, you know, kind of like, kind of like a little kid going, Hey, how come he got that? And I didn't get this. And he's like, Oh, you didn't ask. I mean, that's the weird thing about sports too, is they're always, all these teams are always kind of looking ahead to the draft as well, right? The upcoming draft and uh, placement does matter, you know, and I know in the NBA, the worst your record, I mean, they sort of changed it a little bit, but still, if you have a bad record, it helps you when it comes to, uh, you know, your chances of getting the first round, the very first pick. And some years that can be like a LeBron James. So that's a big deal. You know, it could be a, uh, like a, a, like a, a defining player for your team. You'd never know. Uh, and, you know, there's like a, 
a French guy. I can't ever say his name in the NBA, right? He's not in the NBA yet, but he will be in the next draft. And he's the one everybody wants because he's like seven foot tall. He dribbles like he's a point guard and he can shoot from anywhere. And so everybody's obviously kind of slobbering over to the, uh, the opportunity to get him. Uh, obviously, I'm hoping my Hornets do because we are not good. So it'd be great for us to get this guy to him, Alonzo Ball. I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch. But um, it's all these, you know, all these drafts for these players, especially for teams that aren't doing super well, are very important. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not breaking news there. I mean, it's very obvious. But I, that's one of the reasons I, <laughs> I love sports is all this conspiracy and everything. It doesn't matter how small it is. People are going to look into it and like, yep, something's up there. Something's up there. It, that this is where the, I think this is still the biggest to put it up with. Uh, I can't even say the word, but you know, the film of JFK, where is the shooter? And then look at all these things like, did Frenchie touch the ball? Yeah. I think when I looked at it and I try to look at it <laughs> as much as I could possible, and then all of a sudden for uh, Peyton's places, they found the game film that coaches would study. In Oakland, just whatever you know, we found it after all. Yeah, <laughs> here it is, and <laughs> you still can't tell who touched the ball and who didn't touch the ball. Yeah, uh, but you yeah. also got to remember too, cameras back then aren't near as high def as they are now. Oh. Like you can't even. Uh, I mean, they were probably the best at that time, I would assume. But you know, we just have some. That's what. That's one thing people don't realize too. And you can't just go back to old footage. I mean, you can clean it up some, but it just some things you just can't completely do you know uh, I, I that that's one thing too if this happened today there's so many camera angles and stuff we would know right away but pretty much yeah because back then there's maybe two cameras at a game and yeah it was fixated at the 50 yard line and it just followed yeah back and forth and that's all there was it was very super crude i don't even think i don't even think uh monday night football was around because that's the other thing too is i was thinking about there's no sports center back then Right. And my uncle talked about this too. And the only way that he got to see highlights from other games was he had to watch Monday night football. And at halftime, that's when they would show the highlights for the NFL game. So this one, unless you're living in Pittsburgh or Oakland, or maybe because it's a playoff game, maybe you'll see, hear the score, but you're not going to see all that film. And then no, th- this is this is back in the age where people read the newspaper the next day for yeah. what happened in sports because that's about the only way you could really get it. Yeah. Unless I remember when I was a kid and I was wanting to, I was really getting into basketball. Uh, the only way, because this is before we had cable, so we didn't even have ESPN as an option, and it, it wasn't near as big as it is now. Uh, we, uh, I would have to watch like my local news at six o'clock, right, for me to give any sort of small morsel of basketball news to try to nourish me and today good god that's espn 24 7 right yeah i because that's one thing when i was watching this was if this happened today social media era oh god yeah i couldn't even this i couldn't imagine this would have been torn down even more oh god yeah than what it already has in every angle every object every rule and every aspect of everything would have been looked over and it probably would have been weeks maybe even like a month yeah. month or two that this would have been <laughs> the hot topic on first take on whatever oh god yeah or any of those yeah. channels where people yell at each other <laughs> yeah that's all it is is yelling back and forth yeah. <laughs> i don't even think they know what they're saying every time they're just wanting to yell at each other if i talk loud this means i'm making a point andrew yeah 
That's why I still love it when Matt does the skip. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it, it's yeah. It, I definitely don't think it would be so different today. One hundred percent. I wouldn't even get on Twitter after this because that would be all it would be. Would be people talking about this play. So, do you think, in theory, number one, Frenchie touched the ball? So I've seen a couple angles of it, and I'm coming at this completely unbiased. Uh, I, you know, both I, these teams don't matter to me, if I'm being that's, honest. That's why it was like, this is going to be cool, really cool to do with you because you, I mean, you don't hate football or anything of that aspect. You said you knew about this, but you never, you, you're I never, not, do, I never dove into it. You never dove into it. And that's yeah. why I was like, Ooh, this is going to be fun with, with Johnny. And honestly, if unless it involves the Carolina Panthers, I'm not going to be a homer for anything. That's the only team I'm a homer for at all when it comes to NFL. And obviously, Jake DeLome. I don't think there's uh, a conspiracy theory surrounding those two. So you're. Good. I'll come up with. I'll come up with some. Uh, you give me time. But yeah, I I don't think it's definitive that he touched it, right? And unless it's de- in my opinion, unless something is definitive, unless you can definitely tell 100 with zero doubt that he touched it. Then you then obviously they got it wrong, but I don't think you can tell that uh, every angle that I saw it is so difficult to see if he truly touched it. So I don't think it's definitive at all. Uh, so I kind of think that I wouldn't even put that as part of it. Honestly, it's, it's just he doesn't. The camera, like I said again, the cameras are crude by today's standards, and it's just very difficult to totally see. So in my opinion, I'm going to say no, he didn't touch it. Theory number two, Philip. Oh man, I'm gonna mess up this guy's name, and I think he's awesome because I watch tons of NFL films with him. Uh, Philip Velapiano was he was he clipped? So was he blocked blocked from the back? Yeah, and from watching football and everything else is even when I tell my son when you know I'm like, dude, you got to block. Just as long as long as you can't see their the name on the back of the jersey, they're okay to block. Yeah. This one, I feel he was clipped. I, I, I 100% feel he was clipped by the Pittsburgh tight end. I, I kind of think he was too. But at the same time, there's just certain things that I don't think a ref's going to call in a in a defining moment in a football game. Because it'd be really, that to me, it'd be the same as uh, when Michael Jordan hits that shot. I'm sorry to keep comparing this to basketball. No, but that's no, just a sport that I know. I, I went uh, to wrestling, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, it, it, you know, when Michael Jordan hits that shot over by, uh, Byron Russell, he does kind of push off a little bit, it looks like, but they don't call it because you just wouldn't call that. You know, it's it's a it's a defining play and a defining moment for a team, for both teams. And you just kind of let some things that aren't major kind of, you know, go into the rugs. But I do think he was clipped as well. I think it was definitely missed because of the magnitude of the play. Like nobody was expecting yeah. Branko Harris to come out of nowhere, grab this ball, and just run with it. Which was obvious from the fact that they refs didn't call the game right away after that, right? They they took like forever to decide if they were going to, uh, you know, say that was a touchdown or not. Because they, I think everybody was in shock. I think all the team, both teams were in shock. The people in the stands were in shock. You know, it's just a. Uh, and I get it too. What are you going to do? It's such a unexpected thing to happen. I think sometimes refs get caught in the play. Yeah, we're, we're human. They're probably fans too, so I can't. I can't do anything. Uh, the one was like one of the big ones too was did Franco trap the ball? Did the nose touch the ground? Because I guess there wasn't yeah. too many images that showed the the nose of the ball. 
Yeah, the bot or aka the bottom of the ball. Did the yeah. the big thing is did this ball touch the ground because that makes it a dead ball pretty much immediately. And that's still, you know, that's still a rule they go by today. Uh, it's the main uh, NFL film thing that you see most of the time when they kind of get that close up, it does not show the bottom of the ball. Like it, it shows almost all of it except for that point, which is a, which really helps fuel conspiracies. I I'd say that's kind of like the Frenchy thing. That's just inconclusive. There, yeah. I can't tell you anything else. I mean, we still kind of have arguments over that, you know, in today's game, really, uh, even with the great cameras and, and stuff we have now, it's sometimes it's just really, if it's close, it's just very hard to tell the difference. Yeah, nobody knows what a catch is in the NFL. No, no, they don't. <laughs> nobody can define a, it's like you have to have control of the ball and then make a football move, but nobody can really define what a football move is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, if I'm just wearing like, uh, you know, football gear and I just move around, football move. Right? Football move. <laughs> yeah. This is probably. In Mac and me, in Mac and me, there's football players dancing in a McDonald's. Those are some great football moves. <laughs> any chance Johnny can get in Mac and me. If you listen to any podcast with me, you're going to hear about Mac and me and Jake DeLone. Those are my two defining things in my life. <laughs> and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah, and Ninja Turtles, of course. That's all you need to know about me. All those things are on my dating profiles. <laughs> and the third one and the biggest one is the riot theory. We kind of alluded to that. Is Did they just say it's a touchdown because the referees didn't want to die by the massive Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there? I mean, what do you think? Because in my opinion, again, the ref, the refs did come out on this documentary and say, no, that didn't have any bearing on it. However, I do think it's just human to at least have that in the back of your mind of how the crowds are going to react. You know, the, one of the things is a lot of people overheard them asking about security there. And man, it, if I was a ref, I would be very concerned about how the reaction would be to the call on this for sure. I think it's just human to think about that. That is, that is human. I don't think it played a part into it. Like just talking about them going through each things, you know, the clipping and stuff like that, how that was probably missed. The inconclusiveness of all this other stuff, they probably were just like, you know, I can't call it touchdown. We're just going to call what we saw and touchdown. <laughs> and they were probably all just conversating over just what happened. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, they were kind of caught in the moment too, uh, you know, and I tend to agree with you because if you're going to be a ref, one of the things you have to, learn is when you're making a call that can make a crowd uh, <laughs> not like you you know i mean that's one of the things about being a ref right like, i don't care what level you're at i'm even talking like uh, if you're refing like uh you know school games like the parents oh. are going to give you a hard time that type of thing uh, so i i guarantee you all these guys have kind of you know dealt with this stuff before but i also do think it's fair to say to ask that question because this again was a defining moment for this team and if you're a fan of this team you're kind of living and dying by this call and i i gotta say it, it it's one of those things that it it's it's so much fun to dig into when i'm yeah. watching this it's so much fun to want to dig into it and want to do it and the more you watch it the more in a way you want to leave it alone because like nobody like really had that great of a game this whole entire game yeah like I mean, if it wasn't if it wasn't for this play I don't think this game would ever be brought up. I mean, who would who would ultimately care very much? Unless you're these two teams. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing is uh, Ken Stabler with that 30-yard run. And then in the next week, anyways, they they fall to the undefeated Miami Dolphins. In there the we go. 
championship game. <laughs> I gotta say, after watching this and thinking about the Dolphins, 72 is a great year for NFL football. There you go. I'm gonna agree with you. <laughs> I gotta say it's pretty great. I can't think of all of something of all this happening, the immaculate reception, you know, the undefeated seasons and stuff like that. That's that's huge. Yeah. But it, it kind of defined the city. You know, I uh, mean, you were joking before the, at the airport in Pittsburgh, yeah. they have two statues. One of them's of George Washington, the uh, first president of the United States of America. And if you don't know your history, Pittsburgh was a major part of the American Revolution. It was very big, uh, very vital to the founding of America. Really, it was. Uh, so they have that statue. Understandable. And then, of course, Andrew, tell them who the other statue is right next to him. <laughs> Franco Harris making the catch. And yes. to me, as a fan of the NFL, I love it. By the way, I I I can't explain anything more than that. I, it's I think it's absolutely amazing. What do they say? One is one was the first president. One was a first round pick. One yes. beat the Redcoats. <laughs> the other one beat the Raiders. Which, in a Steelers fan, when you're telling them all this, like. He beat the Redcoats and, you know, we helped America establish as a country. They're like, okay, that's cool. This guy beat the Raiders in your first ever playoff win. I like that. I love this guy. Where, 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 where can I get more Franco? I mean, he had his own, he had his own army. The G yeah, the Franco Italian army and Frank Sinatra was a general in it. That's what I'm talking about. That's that was like huge was Franco's Italian army and but why would you not? And then I love it how I think it's the museum in Pittsburgh. They also have yes. a statue with the turf. And the guy's like, we're not trying to indoctrinate them into any of this. But you got all these little kids from Pittsburgh public school area. They're on <laughs> this they field do. trip. And they're like, do you know what this is? And they're like, and they all knew, by the way. Like all the kids knew. They all knew. Yeah. Pretty sure at that age, it's probably their dads that were younger and their grandfathers sitting there drinking their Iron City beer and like, oh, yeah. let me tell you about <laughs> let me tell you about December 23rd, 1972. There it was. <laughs> Three River Stadium. <laughs> it was cold. I like I bet like they just change the details every time they tell it. <laughs> it was negative 100 degrees outside. Yeah. Wasn't that the ice bowl the coldest? No, not this game. Actually, it was 42 degrees. And it was so foggy, nobody could see. <laughs> that out of, we had nowhere, all, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere comes this angel of a man. Franco. I swear, I swear I saw a glow about him. <laughs> just glowing and shining a light through that deep fog. Like he's Rudolph leading Santa's sleigh. I could see the man's aura around him. And it was nothing but black and gold. <laughs> just, there he was. He ran. He ran through a hundred men that day. <laughs> and nobody could stop him. They just bounced off? off of him like he was like they were nothing. <laughs> There's supposed to be 11 guys on the field. There was 100. The Raiders came out. <laughs> the whole team, they brought in everybody and put them out on that field, and they could do nothing. Even John Madden tried to tackle them. Didn't matter. <laughs> Even Madden had no explanation on how to stop Franco that day. But it's because of this play that Madden went on to make the Madden football games. <laughs> and no deflected passes are allowed. <laughs> And it's funny, too, because when I do play it and there is a deflected pass, most of the time the other guy doesn't catch it on your team. There, that's another thing, too. Uh, I, you know, I, obviously being a basketball nerd, I know a lot about NBA Jam, which was a very popular basketball game, especially in the arcades in the 90s. And um, 
one of the things that they made sure was one of the guys on a development team, I think he was a Pistons fan. Yeah. I think it's the Pistons. And it's anytime the Pistons and the Bulls play, the Pistons have a huge hands up because they made sure it was that way. Yeah, I think it's like what the Bulls can't their their shooting percentage goes down in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. But, Which I love because that just adds to the rivalry. <laughs> I can I got no complaints. I'm a I'm a Red Sox fan, and one of the big things were when they were building the new Yankee Stadium. There's a Red Sox fan that was building it, and they buried a Red Sox jersey into the concrete. To the point I love that. They went back through, and they broke up the concrete to get the jersey out because they didn't want anything bad to happen. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but that, I I think this is that's one of those things where you where do you get indoctrinated on in a way, even though they say that it doesn't happen. I'm pretty sure there's little Buffalo Bills fans that. that's where I'm from. I'm not a Bills fan, but you know, that know there's the big comeback game that know about that. And the four Super Bowls, even though they were not even close to being alive at that point. Yeah. They still, still know about it. And I think that this is probably the biggest play in, well, it's the biggest play in NFL history and will always be the biggest play in Steelers history. Oh yeah. Uh, Again, it defined, a team and they kind of went on to actually be good after that too. So I kind of think they look at that as a starting point really of the team being a way, way better and actually important than they were before. So I, I am 100% understand it defining the, the city. Even I'm trying to, I was trying to think of other just plays that define a city. I think the Boston Celtics have a bunch because oh, yeah. they have such a long history, you know, I automatically think about they're just still my bird. You know, that thing. I always think about that. But Jack steals the ball. <laughs> yeah. So they got a bunch. Uh, but yeah, it's it's that's just how important that play is, is the fact that it literally to this day, I guarantee you, there's school kids in Pittsburgh who know about this play, even though it was decades before they were even a thought. <laughs> I I have family in Pittsburgh. That's how I knew about the Iron City beer, because I won a fantasy football league with my cousin that lives in Pittsburgh. And he was like, do you want like a trophy? I'm like, dude, just send me a terrible towel. There you and, go. He, and he sent me a terrible towel and he sent me a, an empty can of Iron City beer. And it was funny when I was like, send me a terrible towel. He looks he looks at me and he's like, uh, I think I got one in my desk. Like, that's how it is there that you just randomly have a terrible towel in your desk. Yeah. And I was like, well, that makes sense. If you lived anywhere else in the world, I'd be like, why would you have that in your desk? Yeah, this is this was the start of everything. Yeah. And of course, rest in peace. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, that's just so wild. I woke up and I saw that news that uh, Frank had passed away. Uh, I was, my mouth honestly dropped. Mm-hmm. And man, he just seemed like such a good guy from the little footage I've seen him. Obviously, I was only aware of him doing this, uh, if I'm being honest, but he seemed like a really cool, chill guy. And it really reminded me because uh, they, they show him signing autographs for people and they're all just asking the same question. Basically, I mean, the questions about the same thing over and over again, because that's going to define who he is. I mean, whether he likes it or not, that's what he's going to be talking about a lot. It really reminded me of mankind slash Mick Foley when oh. he taught, when he, when he was like, man, all anybody ever wants to ask me about is getting thrown off that cage, you know? So that's why when I actually met Mick Foley, who is my favorite all time wrestler, I made it a point to talk about his books and not remotely bring up that because I wanted to show him that actually, you know, I, I I like the guy, and I'm a very big fan. And uh, weirdly enough, he meant a lot to me. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that I asked him a question that he would probably be grateful that he heard instead of the same questions about the same thing again and again. 
Yeah, and I liked it too. And that was one of the points that kind of forgot to bring up is it didn't even get its name until like 1974. Yeah. Like there was a name of it in Pittsburgh, but there was not a nationally recognized name. It was just like, tell me about that tip pass. That kind of, that, that surprised me is that it did actually take years before that name kind of caught on and became something. Uh, you know, even some people didn't even want to call it that because of the, you know, you obviously think of the, you know, I kind of was joking about it before, yeah. the the religious aspects of just the word immaculate, really, and it rhyming with, <laughs> and then making it rhyme. But I love the explanation of it about how the football wasn't touched, like Mary wasn't touched. <laughs> That's just so great. I was thinking more of like the angel appearing. Yeah, like we like we alluded to because when you watch the footage, like the the cut footage of it. You see the bounce, and then it seems like out of nowhere, he goes and catches it. And oddly enough, I found out he was supposed to stay in on that play and block. Like I said, Terry Bradshaw was getting pressured. He's scrambling. He was supposed to stay in and block, and he just kind of like ran out there. He was, And if you, the angle that they showed, you see him in the backfield, and it looks like he's looking for somebody, and then he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just going (laughs) to run out there. And it's kind of right, definitely right place, right time. Yeah see the ball i'm gonna catch it and i'm gonna take it 60 yards and i'm gonna score yeah i mean that's there's that's why i do consider this one of those quote-unquote miracle plays is it's a lot of luck involved here uh, and you got to just get lucky sometimes you know it really it also reminded me of put it in recent basketball terms when Kawhi Leonard was playing for that one whole year for the Raptors and actually winning a championship, he's, they're playing against probably the biggest rivals at the time, the 76ers, and it's the end of the game, it's the last shot, and he's running to the corner and he just throws it up, and it and he's guarded heavily, and he just tosses it. And this ball bounces, like it seems like, 70 times before it falls in. Like, just add into the drama of it. And it's, you know, obviously you got to have skill to play any of these pro sports, but honestly, I, that's the one thing I, I find it weird that people don't like to talk about. There is a lot of luck involved here. <laughs> a lot of luck a lot of luck to just be at that moment at the right time for terry bradshaw to throw that ball yeah at that at that person it was stars aligned like 100 yeah. that's why i'm cool with it being uh kind of presented as a miracle because it really is because <laughs> what and i think this this is one of those quotes that i think follows this 100 perfect from the man who shot liberty valence uh what does it say when uh, when the truth become i think it's like i'm probably butchering it when the truth becomes legend print the legend like yeah. so even if you could 100 be definitive on everything single thing uh you know frenchy touched the ball it was trapped by franco at this point 50 years have gone by it's just the legend of it yeah, and also, I mean, even let's 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 do a what if here. What if Fritz actually does catch the ball? I don't think they're scoring that touchdown. Oh no, no, not. And then you got to get down, and then I don't know how many timeouts or anything were. So you got to figure out. I don't even think you could have stopped the clock back then. Yeah, um, Spike. I'm not 100 percent sure. So even if you do it, and then the Raiders go on. Does this team become what it is? And then I actually did bring up the quote. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Yeah, yeah. I think that's for a lot of a lot of athletes that we've grown to love over the time. So if the what the what if if it doesn't happen, I still say 
looking at the Steelers history, I still say they're kind of the team of the seventies, but I don't think we look at them in the same light as anything else. Cause the way that this is even projected that even in 72, they were going to the Super Bowl. when. Yes. Yeah. They didn't end up going to the Super Bowl. They, they didn't make their first Super Bowl until 74. So, But, every, but everybody kind of looks at this in a historical stance as the start of all that. Yes. And it really adds to the legend that this happened. I mean, that's just, again, that's like all those last second shots that Michael Jordan hit, right? It just adds to his legend. It's, it's the legend of it. You got to yeah. believe it just like what we said. Was it a walk-off game-winning play? No. But isn't it so much more fun to think about that? Like, yeah, because Matt and I did the 81 NFC championship game with another great catch. And that's just game is known as the catch on that play to end supposedly end that game. But the Cowboys got the ball back and they could have scored if one of Eric Wright didn't stop Tony Dorsett. Yeah. And then you're like, wow. But but you want that that like you said, that movie ending feeling to every. Yeah. When it comes to sports, you don't want. I mean, it, um, it adds to the drama and makes it. It really does just make it more fun. You know, in today's NBA, there's a lot of players who will quote unquote hit the game-winning shot, but there's still the other team still gets a full possession, but they don't talk about that part of it. because that team could have won anyway. So that's that's the that's the thing here. It just it's way 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 more fun to talk about the drama of the whole thing. And it just adds to the story instead of saying, oh, yeah, if you said, hey, this crazy, awesome play happened, and then uh, let's talk about the other team getting the football back and having a chance to score. I mean, who wants to do that? Nobody. Because you you want that myth. You want that aura. You want that, like, wowness to it. I mean, when I think of that stuff, I think of Bo Jackson, where it was one of those things where you kind of had to be there or – yeah. Even now, I mean, legend legend really does come at the expense of truth a lot of the times. It does, but doesn't it make it more fun? I think so. I'm not saying that as, as it's a bad thing. It kind of, I guess, it depends on where you where you fall as a fan on the legend, right? Yeah. Like I like I guarantee you, the uh, the Raiders look at this as one of the dumbest things that should have shouldn't have happened ever, right? What do they call oh, the Immaculate Deception? That's <laughs> yes. what they call it. <laughs> Uh, oh, by the way, I loved all those uh, plays on that, by the way. Like they, uh, one guy selling the candy bar. What did he call it? The Immaculate? Confection. Confection. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Oh, I mean, if that's what it is, then, hey, if you can get a dime out of it, especially in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, I I'm got, not knocking it at all. I kind of loved it. I'm not knocking it at all, but I think this is just one of those things where I wanted to deep dive into it, but as I got more into it, and then after just talking about it, I think I just want to leave it alone and be like, hey, none of this, there was no question on anything that happened. And do we really do we really want to know? Maybe I think other than maybe if you're a Raider player, who Fred Swearinger talked to in that, yeah. in that dugout. I agree with you. Uh, sometimes ignorance really is bliss. <laughs> it, it really is. I think it is fun, especially when it comes to sports, because if you just break down and analyze everything constantly, it takes out. It takes out a lot of fun. It's. It's not. That's why a lot of people get mad at me when it comes to stat. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big guy on stats. I tell everybody stats are like bikinis. They cover up all the good parts. Ah <laughs> uh, well, I as a nerd who would look at his basketball cards as a kid and write down all the stats for each player, and I had a whole notebook full of them. Uh, 
I agree with you because for whatever reason I started out there, but now today I hate math with a giant passion. <laughs> oh, but I think that's I think that's it closing the episode and uh, you know just to close out everything. Uh, you know, make sure you listen to us, BICBP Radio Network. I know we're on Spotify now, and if you like what me and Johnny are doing, uh, we do have the Nostalgia Funhouse. Same thing, but more pop culture. <laughs> And just fun things from when we were kids. But other than that, uh, R.I.P. Franco and everyone Merry Christmas. Yeah, have a whatever you celebrate, uh, please. We hope you have a great time. Thank you for the support. And I just want to echo everything Andrew said there. So, um, yeah, thank you, everybody. It's it's a truly a blessing. (laughs) 